This is What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. On this episode 124, I have Swati Tirthala, whose debut, The Tiger at Midnight, comes out on April the 23rd. And in this episode, we get into her love of fantasy, some of the writers that she was really into growing up, and everything that went into uh, writing her debut. So listen in. So Swati, what book hooked you? So the book that hooked me uh, is Alana, the First Adventure uh, by Tamara Pierce. And it's it's a, a story about a young girl who basically is sent off to become a lady um, and she she basically makes her brother switch places with her and she goes to learn to be a knight uh, in his place at the palace. Um, and as you can imagine, a bit of chaos ensues. And um, yeah, it was one of the first books that I read um, that I really fell in love with. Uh, the world was full of magic and it was the first kind of fantasy book uh, that I that I really was able to just feel the world and, and really just the world building meant a lot to me. And I was, I was pretty young. I think I was about 10. Um, and it was, it was kind of my first introduction to fantasy. And so were you reading before then? You said this was your first fantasy. So were, were there other books bef- that came before this one? Or was this, when you kind of think back, maybe the biggest, most important, the one that stands out? Uh, because it was your first fantasy and or were there other books but this was just kind of a turning point in a sense yeah so i i've been a pretty big reader ever since i was uh pretty small um reading was one of those things where i it was kind of basically how everyone recognized me it was mm-hmm. i would be in the corner with my my nose in a book at like ever since i was maybe 6 and i always say that's probably the reason why i have such bad eyesight <laughs> um but yeah, it wasn't the first book um, per se, but it was the first book that kind of grabbed my heart. And it was also the first time I I read a book where I it's kind of exposed me to, to the idea that a girl could be more than just what um, kind of the world told her. And you can kind of take control of your destiny. So to me, it was eye-opening in that way. And it was also, you know, as I, as I kind of mentioned, the, the fantasy aspect I think before that, I'd read um, I read some of the classics, like Little Woman was, it was a book I, I absolutely adored, um, but I hadn't ever quite read something like this, where it was so imaginative, and there was, it was literally full of magic and creatures, and it, it was like everything my imagination wanted, but I didn't know what it wanted, really. And so you mentioned how you were known um, because you were always reading, so from that point on especially you know we're moving into kind of preteen and teenage years what books what did you really get into was there a series was there a writer uh what types of books uh, were you really in to when you were a teenager yeah so actually Tamara Pierce has a bunch of series after you know the first one a lot of the first adventure is part of a quartet and then there's also the Immortals Quartet, which follows another character. And then after that, there's the Lady Knight Quartet. And then I think there's another one as well. 
So I kind of made my way through everything she wrote, and she was kind of my J.K. Rowling for for mm-hmm. a good amount of time before, uh, well, you know, at the same time that J.K. Rowling was my J.K. Rowling. Sure. Uh, and I remember I would go and be the first person to get her books from the bookstore. So even into my preteen years in the beginning of high school, I, I still read everything she wrote the minute it came out. Uh, I would also say I, I because of reading on it, a pretty early age, I unfortunately, or maybe not so unfortunately, uh, started reading a lot of adult fantasy pretty quickly, whether that was the right choice for me or not. I can't quite say, but uh, it did expose me to a lot of other authors. Um, and I probably read some stuff that I didn't quite understand <laughs> at that point. But um, I read, I think, I read Terry Pratchett. I read... <laughs> um, Jacqueline Carey, who who does the Chris Shields uh, series, and I definitely shouldn't have been reading that, but um, I remember those were some series that kind of stood out to me because I thought I just remember the world building so being so fantastic, or the the characters were so interesting and so different from children's fiction. And it sounds you've kind of pretty much stated that you know you were really drawn to fantasy when you kind of look back. Why do you think that you kind of always stuck with that genre of writing? Uh, what was it about fantasy stories uh, that always kind of attracted you to them? I think it was that fantasy was kind of the the art of what was possible or what could be possible. And as someone who kind of you know lived in stories and always kind of lived in my own imagination, it was the it was the the genre that I it most spoke to me. Um, I ever since I was little, I was always the one who was telling stories or or you know putting little plays on, and they always had a, a bit of a fantastical element. And I think just the idea of being in a world that had magic or being able to, you know, meet a flying horse mm-hmm. or something of that that sort, it just it took me to another another place, and you know, it made the world around me seem fantastical in a way that I I just really loved the idea that there could be this secret world, and and there there was just so much more than what you were just living day to day, and I think that's actually a really good question. I've never really dove into exactly what it was at that age that appealed. to to me but I did also I think there are a lot of really great um female characters at that time in fantasy especially kind of like this age group so one thing about Tamara Pierce's books is that all of her uh female characters were really kind of very different from what I would read in everything else um and especially in the children's fiction at that time so instead of or even the the classics I was reading so that was also great I mean a girl with a sword you can't go wrong with that. That right. was always exciting to me. And then you you briefly mentioned how you were creating plays and stories. So was that always a thing that went along with your reading that you were also uh, telling your own stories or coming up with your own uh, imaginative worlds and things like that? Initially, I, I actually was, I dove more into kind of pre-fan fiction. So when I first read Little Women, I, I put on a play with, that I made my, I forced my sisters into doing with me. Um, that was based off of Little Women. It was kind of the continuation of their story. That was before I figured out that there was actually a sequel. Um, 
And then even for Tamara Pierce's works, I I started diving into doing little stories um, about those characters. And I was so young and fan fiction wasn't quite as big as it was later that I didn't realize what I was doing was writing fan fiction for the longest time. But that kind of playing in that sandbox a little bit really enabled me when I was older, I think kind of in high school and in college to, to kind of start my start thinking about my own stories and building my own worlds. So when it came to your own writing, uh, what was maybe the switch for you from from fan fiction to, you know, being adventurous and creating your own worlds to getting serious about your writing and in any way maybe pursuing uh, getting your own stories in front of other people, uh, even whether that's people uh, you didn't know or to a larger scale, uh, you know, getting it published? Yeah, so that the funny thing about that is I honestly didn't start doing that until I was in my early 20s. So there was a huge gap where I didn't realize that what I was doing was actually writing. I would write scenes. I would write poetry, um, all, like little short stories and, and stuff like that. And I never kind of counted it as writing. So I'd always had this dream in my heart, kind of in a little corner, a little room mm. in my heart that I wanted to write a book. And I wanted um, to see that happen at some point in my life. And there was a point kind of in my early, early 20s when I'd started working and I, I really did enjoy what I, what I did at that point. Um, but there was this, I'd always kind of been creative since I was a young child. Um, I either danced or I sang or I drew or something. And for the first time, I had no kind of creative outlet. So... I remember just, I, I took a design class for fun and it made me think of all the other things I wanted to do. So I, I kind of just made this pact with myself. I said, why don't you try writing a book? Why don't you try expanding on those stories that you've had for so long? And there always, there'd always been this one story that had been percolating in my brain since I think I was like 14. Um, and I just, I just sat down and, and I, I wrote it and it was not good at all, but knowing that I had done it really enabled me and empowered me to, to keep trying and then to learn about publishing and to learn what it took to actually get published. Uh, so it, it took a while for me to get there. And what my, if I can ask, what was that, uh, what caused that break or that caused that, uh, stepping away from, uh, your writing. And at the same time, did you do the same thing with books? Uh, that you kind of stepped away. Yeah, that's actually really interesting because looking back on it, I did kind of take a break from both. Um, not entirely. I would I would still read, but that kind of intensity and the obsessive reading I used to do when I was, you know, in the beginning of high school or, or in middle school, it kind of went away a little bit. Um, and I think part of it was that as towards the end of high school, I was really focused on, you know, getting into the college I wanted to go to and figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. And I literally never thought that being a writer was one of those things. It's not really something that, um, you know, being Indian American, it's not really something that you see other people in your community doing. Uh, you don't see other Indian Americans. Oh, you see, you didn't and not as frequently. Mm. And there wasn't as much exposure for Indian Americans in a lot of creative fields. And I think that 
because of that, I just, I literally did not know one could be an author. I, for the longest time was like, oh, these people who write books, they're these fantastical creatures. Um, so it was also that journey. It's that I was so focused on a kind of a different career path that I didn't really see that this could even be one or even that it was a dream that I could entertain. And so when you ended up coming back, especially to writing, were there books that you can remember that at the same time were kind of motivating you? Uh, stories that as you were reading them, uh, were getting you excited about creating your own stories? Definitely. So the one book that comes to mind um, over a lot of the others, and actually young uh, reading young adult fiction brought me back into the fold, kind of. It, um, it spoke to me in a way in my like early 20s that I I had missed and it kind of reminded me of why I love books so much that immediacy being able to to fall into characters or worlds and one YA fantasy in particular An Ember in the Ashes by um, Sabah Tahir that really was the first book where I, I thought kind of I could do this and part of that was that Leia is one of the, who's one of the main characters is, you know, a brown girl uh, looks like me. And I thought, Oh, I could actually write these stories. I could write a story that had me in it. That was first of all, very cool, but it was also, it, it kind of captured my imagination. It's just such a well-crafted um, emotional, emotionally resonant and complex story. And it, it kind of inspired me to, to think that I could maybe um, write something as well. And so your first something, the first something that's going to be published, comes out on April 23rd. It's called The Tiger at Midnight. So give me the pitch of for what this book is about. Yeah, so um, The Tiger at Midnight is the first book uh, in a Indian-inspired YA fantasy trilogy. Um, it follows the story of Kanal, who is a dutiful soldier, and Isha, who is a legendary rebel spy named the Viper. So uh, when their their paths cross one night, um, and Isha is accused of the murder of Kanal's general, uh, a dangerous cat and mouse game starts between them, uh, and it's one that there's everything they've known into question, and, and kind of challenges all the the truths and the lies they've told themselves. And so, what was the initial idea for the Tiger at Midnight? Yeah, the initial idea for the book. It was actually, it was pretty random. <laughs> I was on vacation um, and I was visiting this old fort and I had just started kind of, this is kind of early on when I just started writing and I was so excited by the fact that it was something I loved doing. I kept on asking questions wherever I went. I was thinking of ideas and I was just in this really really excited headspace. So I went to this old fort and the first thing I thought of, of course, was like, what are the stories here? And I remember looking out from one of the small windows and thinking, you know, if I were back in ancient times and, or even not so ancient times, and I was looking through this fort and I was a soldier and I was bored and I was on duty, what would be the most interesting thing I might see? Or what's the thing that would make me stand up and leave my post? And so that was kind of the the inspiration for the entire book. It's that it's actually the first scene in the book um, where Knoll he sees something that surprises him and he leaves his post, and that that something is Isha. Um, and that's kind of where the whole 
whole story kind of schooled out from there. I could all came to me first, kind of his voice and his, the conflict that he has between his duty and the idea that he has for his own future. And he is just very loyal, um, but also kind of naive. So he was the first one to kind of come to life. And then Isha followed and she was a lot more difficult. But um, from there, just the natural progression of what would happen if these two people who come from such different backgrounds were forced to to meet and to interact and, and how would their lives change because of that. And so as you're creating this story and kind of building this world for these characters to live in, um, did it come pretty naturally uh, that this would end up being told in a trilogy? Because, you know, I think a lot of people think fantasy, fantasies are often you know, broken up into at least three, maybe sometimes two or more. Uh, or as the story kind of unraveled for you, did it was it kind of calling that this was going to be, need to be told in, in at least three different sections? Yeah, I think initially I, I wasn't quite sure. I knew it would be a series, but I wasn't sure what the length would be. And as I started to revise book one, it became pretty clear to me that I wanted to tell the story in a trilogy. And luckily I, I was able to, um, and I, you know, I got lucky enough to get a, a book deal for a full trilogy, but I, I do think from the get go, it was definitely, you know, three sections. There's three clear acts and parts of the book. Uh, so it, it always kind of been a trilogy in my mind. I do think, I have so many other stories I'd love to tell in the world and potentially with these characters, but you know, initially a trilogy. And so once you then figure that out, I'm, I'm always, I'm curious with others. Do you have to then go back to your story and take stuff out to reveal later or drop Easter eggs into what might not develop into, uh, you know, the books that will follow, or do you kind of let book one rest and, and book two will just build on the characters in the world, but you kind of are going to come up with new things uh, for what these characters will face. I did a bit of both. Um, I'm a kind. I'm a. I'm an outliner through and through. I, I love to plot, and I knew where I was going, but there was a lot of moments where I would stop and think, "Okay, I'm I'm drafting book two, but this thing happened, and I should." probably either keep that for book three or I should add it into book one when I still have the chance. Uh, so I think the biggest thing actually has been just foreshadowing is is leaving little clues ahead of time. Like you said, that has been the, the most exciting part of this is knowing that I, I have a trilogy to tell the story. I am being a lot more conscious of when I give information and what sort of information I give um, to hopefully set up really, really fun reveals for readers. And with fantasy world building becomes such a huge part of it uh, depending on the story so what were you really doing when you were building your worlds i i pulled a lot from my my own knowledge of you know india and my experience um and with you know my heritage and kind of combining that with doing a lot a lot of research into um, you know, ancient Indian history. This The book is inspired by India, but it's inspired by a particular era in Indian history. So the, the ancient era kind of uh, before 
before the advent of a lot of things that might, one might think of as traditionally uh, fantasy. So I wanted to I wanted to go back and make sure I kind of understood things and understood why things happened in ancient India. Um, and it was, it was really interesting to, to do research into political structures and, and how they did trade and all, and all those things. And while most of that did not make it into the book, <laughs> which is probably a good thing, it, it's quite dry. It definitely helped me understand the world I wanted to build. And I was able to kind of combine all that research um, with kind of my own knowledge and, and create a world that fit into both in a way. And because you're such a fantasy reader, uh, when you're writing, when you're really in the thick of things, do you try to stop reading? Do you try to read a different genre? Are are you able to uh, read fantasy books still? And if so, does it help you? Or is it just kind of neutral that you don't seem to soak, be influenced too much by it? I think it's changed a little bit for me. I think before I was able to read fantasy books without a problem. And now, um, especially working on book two, I find I need a little bit more of my, my own space in my head. And so I have been reading a lot of um, adult literary fiction, which is, you know, I, I definitely read it, but it's not my favorite. Um, but it's been really interesting. And it's given me, you know, a new way to think about how to craft a scene or something of that sort that isn't directly tied to the genre I'm in. So it feels less heavy and like, it it feels like I'm like less pressure in a way. Um, So I I have actually had to step away from reading fantasy when I'm directly working on um, the series, at least who knows it might change. Um, It it did change from my earlier process, but right now that's kind of what I have to do. And so I'm wondering, and this is a question I sometimes like to ask authors, because you were such a big fantasy reader uh, growing up, what do you think uh, the teenage or the younger version of Swati would think if you were able to hand her a copy of The Tiger at Midnight? Oh, man, that that would have made me so excited. Uh, I I wouldn't have thought that it would be possible to read a book that celebrated my Indian heritage at that age. Um, It just wasn't something I really saw or was really exposed to. I do think there were tons of really great South Asian authors back then, but I just didn't know about them. Um, And now because of social media and because of the, you know, the rise of all these awesome book bloggers and in bookstagram and all of these things, um, I think there's a lot more promotion of the work that people are actually creating but you know, ten-year-old Swathi would have would have died. <laughs> she would have been so excited. That's great. Well, there's a few questions that I always ask everyone as we wind things down. The first one being, uh, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book? Ooh, this is this is kind of tough. Um, I think the classic is Lord of the Rings. Um, it's probably the you know one of the best fantasy adaptations to film. Uh, but I, I actually think I have to go with The Born Identity. That's okay. It's one of my favorite films. And I, for the longest time, did not know it was based off of a book. And then right. um, then I, I started reading it. I couldn't, I couldn't read it because it was, it was just two different versions in my right. head. But I love The Born Identity. That's great. Now, 
the next question, is there a book or a series that you're willing to admit that you've either never read or weren't able to finish? So the, the series of unfortunate events, I, I read the first two books and then I never finished it. And I actually had to, had to pretend like I did <laughs> to all my friends back in like middle school and high school. And I guess I'm admitting it now. Um, I really should finish them. I, you know, they're, they were pretty incredible and I did enjoy the books. I just never did for some reason. That's great. What is the last great book that you've read? The last great book that I, I read uh, was King, the Kingdom of Copper by um, S. A. Chakraborty. She is also the author of City of City of Brass, um, and this is the second book in her series. It's the the Devabad trilogy, and it's adult fantasy. Uh, though I think it's kind of crossover. It yeah. would definitely appeal to a lot of young adult readers, and it was just the most incredible epic fantasy. That was so based off of emotional relationships and, and complicated histories, and it also combined such detailed research about uh, about you know different sorts of the different historical periods it's based off of, and it's just this really well crafted Muslim fantasy. Um, and I I just I love that book. It was incredible, and at the end of it, I wanted to throw it against a wall because I was so angry at what she had done. Uh, but you should definitely read it. And, you know, tweet at me once you have. I would love to talk about it. Yes. And she actually did the podcast. And I remember with the first book and like instead of choosing one book that hooked her, it was like her time when she studied uh, abroad and at the library of, uh, you know, studying all the Islamic uh, texts and things like that. So uh, it's definitely, yeah, it's I've heard good things and it's not a book that I've been able to get to yet. It's so good. I highly recommend well, Swati, uh, The Tiger at Midnight comes out on April 23rd, and I wish you and this book all the best. Thank you so much. It was, it was great talking to you. And that does it for this episode. I want to thank uh, Swati Tirthala for joining me. Again, her book, The Tiger at Midnight, comes out on April the 23rd, so you want to be sure to pick that up. And next week, episode 125 ends up marking two years of the what book hooked you podcast and i want to thank all of you for listening for supporting and sharing all the authors that have joined me during these episodes uh, and excited for two more years Uh, but until that time i'm brock shelley keep reading